Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. We have an opportunity today to get a word from heaven. If there's anything that you can open a Bible and it speaks just a straight word to where anybody can understand it is how God the Father taught us, our fathers, how to run things, how to do things, what we're to be like. The scripture is filled in the Old and the New Testament. As God set up the home and the family, he told us what it was to be like. He created it. He created man. He made for man a wife, a woman. Her name was Eve. He put them in a beautiful garden. He gave them instructions. He had one word of no, and that was, there's a tree. I do not want you to eat of that tree. From that day until now, the wheels started coming off of the family. Today, we are a very confused society and culture. America is as confused as any nation on the planet as to what a family is and what a home is, what children deserve, and how God made men and women. He made us differently. We are not the same. No way in the Bible will you see that we are made the same, and medical science and all research ever been done will tell us we are different. We are uniquely different. We are beautifully different. We have an opportunity to come together, male and female, and make a family. And that family, young sons, young daughters, to watch them grow up and to help guide them through the jungle called life and culture and help them win battle after battle after battle. And so today, we don't want to learn from each other. We want to learn from him. There is only one perfect father it is not me and it is not you. But Jesus had an incredible relationship with his father. And he taught us from that relationship, this is the way I want it to be. And so we're going to look at that. And the text is Deuteronomy chapter 6, nine verses. And uh, they're not very long verses. We always stand on Sunday morning out of respect to the word of God. So would you please join me out of respect to Scripture uh, if you possibly can stand and listen carefully to the Scripture. <clears throat> now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you go to possess it, that you might fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments that I command you. Thou and your son and your son's son all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you in the land that flows with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently unto your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up, 
And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the post of your house and upon your gates. May God bless the reading of his word, and would you please be seated. Let me share with you very quickly that the scripture here, God is speaking to Israel, speaking to parents, speaking to fathers, saying how he wants it done. He not only talks the talk, but he has assured them that he will walk with them, that he will not tell them to do one thing and do something else himself. And we're going to learn from those lessons here in these few minutes that we have together. I want to take you over to the New Testament for just a minute. The book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the fourth verse. The scripture says to we dads, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath and bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And then when he writes to the church in Thessalonica, Paul said, as you know how we encouraged and comforted you and charged every one of you as a father does to his children, that you would walk worthy of God who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. I want you men to think back with me, you dads, for a moment. You roll the clock back, it's going to take you to probably another day, another time, to another place. I want to roll the clock back to the date of October the 15th, 1967. It was on a Sunday morning, the Bayshore Hospital in Pasadena. And it was there that a person walked up to me and made a startling announcement. You are a father. Well, that happened again on the seventh day of November, 1969. Same place, same thing. You are again a father. I had no idea what that meant. My wife had a dog named Touche. He knew what it meant in about two days. And that was he wasn't the favorite any longer. <laughs> I remember those days. I could not touch my son for five days. And all of you fathers that had babies in the 1960s, you know that. We were contaminated. <laughs> I mean, we just looked to the window. Hey, it's a dad. Yeah, you know. But couldn't touch him. Only mama could touch him. I mean, they, they must be doctor's favorites in those days. But that's the way it was. But oh, what a difference that Sean made and then Dean made. What a difference it made in your life if you understood what that meant. That did not mean that you're biologically capable of producing a baby. It meant you've got a new role. You've got a responsibility. You've got a responsibility that God's going to hold you accountable for because of all the men in the world that could biologically produce a baby, you produce this baby and you are a father and you hold the responsibility to nurture that child and to train up that child in the way it should go so that when it's old, it will not depart from it. Now, I wish I'd have known then what I know now. I would have been a lot better father, I'm sure. It would be very interesting to have a rerun, wouldn't it? Let's just go back and start over again. Let's just roll the clock back. 
Now I'm a grandfather. And I've learned a few things. If fathers discipline, grandfathers spoil. <laughs> I had a friend of mine say not long ago, he said that if his mother and daddy would have raised him the way they relate to their grandkids, that he'd be in the penitentiary. <laughs> the idea is that there's something takes place there that just is indescribable. You can't write a book on what it means to be a dad. We just don't know. But I do know this, that many fathers oftentimes major on behavior in dealing with their children rather than on character. I can remember when our first son gave his heart to Christ. I remember when our second son gave his heart to Christ as a child. I was at Bible school this past week. Over 2,000 came to our Bible school. I saw many, many children come to the Lord Jesus Christ last week. Somewhere between 100 and 200 children gave their heart to Jesus Christ. They heard about Jesus. They heard about God's love. They heard about what sin was and how God wanted to, to defeat sin in their life and to take their life away from Satan so that they could walk with him and enjoy the blessings because God said, I will not withhold any good thing from those that love you. In the past few weeks, I've preached two funerals. One, Coleman Jones, chairman of our ushers for many years at our church. I listened as his children began to speak about their dad and what they said about their dad. And there wasn't one person there that was not envious of their children be able to say about them what those children said about their dad. And then this week I buried a graduate, graduating class member of mine that we played Little League Baseball together. In fact, we were here when Little League Baseball came to, to Pasadena and was there when the Mayor Whitesides signed the declaration bringing Little League here. His name is Larry Pope. I preached his funeral Larry was a member here with his wife, Peggy, for about 15 years. Moved off to California. Man at walk with God. PhD in math. Brilliant. Great athlete. Small in body. Great in ability. Three beautiful daughters. They talked with me and said, Brother John, we've read something together about our dad. And we three don't think we can do it emotionally. Would you read it? As I read that, there wasn't a person there that was not moved by those three girls, all of which walked with the Lord and the mother because of the influence that this man, who was a quiet man, a private man, a man that stood for what's right regardless of what it cost him. That's the kind of father that God wants all of us to be and that's the kind of father he was. And I want you to look with me closely today because God just has something special to say to we dads. That plan that he's had for the family has never changed. And we that have the privilege to be exposed to the Bible, we have an opportunity to be leap years ahead of those that have never heard this book. This book has more to say about how to rear children that is truth than all the other books ever written. This book is written by the one that created the child, placed the child, 
gave that dad, gave that mother to that child, put that child in whatever environment it might be. And that book speaks out and says some things that we need to listen to. I'm going to give them to you real briefly. But before I do, I want to give you two things to every daddy that's here. I want to give to all of us, all of us. I want us to make two commitments this morning that you and I are capable of making. Number one, we need to make a commitment to our wife. I will not divorce my wife who I have a covenant relationship with before God and before her. I will not divorce you and say it in front of the kids. You cannot believe what it means to a child going to school today and out there in the world to hear mama and daddy say, we're not going to divorce each other. You know, my mother and daddy, they told me, ask whichever one you want to, but whichever one you ask first, that's the way it's going to be because we're going to be just like that and raising you. And it worked for them. I don't know if it worked for me or not, but it sure did work for them. Number two, we need to make a commitment. I'm going to spend as much time with my children and my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and my wife as I possibly can. That is a commitment that we need to make, all of us. There is nothing, nothing we can do that's more important than that. And to be reminded does not hurt any of us. But I'm going to give you, I think there are nine of them, but I'll be real quick in every one of them. Number one, are you ready? Jesus deeply respected his father. He deeply respected his father. If you have not heard the story of Buddy Griffin, our men's minister, if you've not picked up the track and it's available to you to pick up for free of his restoration to his daddy after his 90th birthday of a relationship that was far as north is or south the whole time this boy was raised. I knew Buddy during those years. I watched him walk through that. And Buddy has the opportunity to come back and restore respect for a dad that Facts would say he was not worthy of respect. Didn't make any difference. But he knew from the word of God, it was his job to make it right. And when he did make it right, his dad broke and gave his heart to Christ just a few years before that man died. But it was instigated by a son that just said, Dad, I love you anyway. Where in the world did he get that idea? He got it from God who loves us anyway unconditionally. He loves us. Matthew 6, 9. I bet you can quote that. I'll start it off. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed it be thy name. That was respect in the Lord's prayer. Hallowed be thy name. He always reverenced his Father. Nowhere in the Bible will you see Jesus in any way wanting to one-up the Father. He just had that respect for him. Number two, never did God expect his children to make it on their own. When we needed a savior, he sent a savior. His name was what? Jesus. That Jesus came when we got old enough to know that we had sinned and come short of the glory of God. That that savior came died on that cross in order that whosoever will could be saved. Then when Jesus left, he said, it's best for me to go away, but all of you are going to need to have one with you wherever you go in life. 
And so I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is what convicts us of sin. That Holy Spirit is what speaks to a little child's heart like it spoke to those children this week with over a hundred of them saying yes. And then seeing those children on the second night bringing their friends and said, my friend wants Jesus in their heart too. Those are the kind of things that begin to happen when a person begins to start emulating God. You reverence the father. Number two, you don't expect your children to make it on their own. Your children need you. I was an only child. My dad was a very busy person, but I don't think he ever missed a ball game that I ever played. And he loved to come watch baseball. He was a baseball player. His brother played professional baseball. He loved baseball. I could hear his voice in the stands above every other person up there because I could be standing up there with two strikes on me and I'd hear him say, son, it just takes one to hit it. <laughs> and I'm up there going like this. And I can remember watching what I thought was a ball and it came right down the middle of the plate and the umpire called me out and my dad would holler at the umpire. <laughs> and what he would say to the umpire was, ump, open your eyes, you're missing a good baseball game. <laughs> my dad encouraged me. Hey guys, a lot of your kids need encouragement. It's tough out there. They need some battle boys. They need to say a D plus isn't bad, you know? I remember not too many fathers bring out their report cards when they're talking to the kids about theirs. <laughs> and those that made it were those that said, keep on trying, keep on trying, keep on trying. You're never gonna reach A plus, plus, plus. But keep on, keep on encouraging your kids. God sent his son and he hath sent the Holy Spirit. I saw an email, not email, but a video the other day that one of you sent me. If you want to learn how to, teach, how to treat your kids, uh, go out in the wild, like in the bush of Africa. I saw this video, and let me just tell you, it was about an elephant's mother, a mother elephant. Not the father elephant, the mother elephant. See, that happens to be the way it is over in Africa. The lion has all the kids, and then he leaves. And mother has to take care of them. Same way with the elephant. The bull elephant fathers the elephant, and mother has to take care of them. This, this showed... I believe it was nine hyenas that were attacking her little baby calf. That mother was going ballistics and hyenas were flying in all directions. And she was fighting and fighting and fighting and finally when it was over with, the little elephant had everything intact but his tail. And one of the hyenas cut off his tail. If you go to Africa, you'll see a lot of elephants that don't have tails and that's what happens to them. But the point is this, where's the daddy elephant? Man, these mothers are out here in the jungle with all of these kids that are fighting all the battles of internet pornography and drugs and immorality and profanity and loneliness and know that of boys. And the question comes up, where's dad? Where is dad? We need to stand in the gap, men. Like Ezekiel said, I look for a man that'll stand in the gap and close the door on Satan. Every child deserves a dad, a father, just like they deserve a mother. And so we look back at the story of Jesus. He always sought counsel from his father. He sought counsel. 
I don't know how many young people I've watched in their lives that were born with an opportunity to succeed unbelievably and they thought they knew more how to run the company than their daddy did. And everything dad would say, they'd be against it and thought they were so much better equipped to do it. But the end result was it was not true. It was not true. That dad knew more than they thought he knew. Jesus always went to his father when he needed counsel. And in Matthew 26, verse 39, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Now, Dad, that's scary. If our kids are going to come to us for counsel, we better have good counsel. Well, how do you have good counsel? You have godly counsel. Well, how are you going to get godly counsel? 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study what? The Bible. To show yourself approved unto God. Why? So you can be a workman that needeth not be ashamed, doing what? Re rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, I'm going to teach my children what I learned from the Bible. And if it's wrong advice, then blame God. And I'll tell you what, you won't ever blame him because his ways are higher than our ways. He is truth. In him, you find no fault. Kings could not find fault. Beggars could find no fault. People of all races could find no fault. Why? He was the perfect God. And Jesus, another one, is he trusted his father. He trusted his father. Can your children trust you? When Jesus was dying, he said in Luke 23, 46, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then there's another thing about a perfect father, and, and, and that is, he would affirm his son, even at his baptism, Matthew 3, 17, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Could I say a word to those of you that had children that made decisions during vacation Bible school? Just talk to them. We want to be as cautious, maybe even more cautious as possible than you are with that little child. But let that little child talk to you. Don't tell them they don't know what they're doing. Listen to them. Let them speak. Hear their heart. Give, us a, give them an opportunity and you help. You get with Miss Rhonda or one of our leadership in our church and just talk because when that Holy Spirit comes, oftentimes it comes when a child is very, very young while his heart is tender. And then as he grows older, it becomes harder and harder and harder. And by the time they reach age 20, their chances of ever coming to Jesus are one in about 200,000. Listen carefully. Listen, you can trust the Father and you can affirm your children when they do right. Jesus did not just talk the talk, but he walked the walk. Luke 2, 49, he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Don't you know I have to be about my father's business? Jesus spent his whole life doing what the father told him to do. Anytime he had a question, he'd say, Father, not my will, but thine be done. But another thing he learned about his father, he had a father that was a taker, a giver, not a taker. He was a giver, not a taker. James, I mean, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. James 1, 17 says, every good and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The greatest thing you'll ever be, dad, when it comes to the area 
of giving and taking is to be a giver. Give love. Give attention. Give financially when you can. Give encouragement. Give assistance. Give direction. Give strength and help. Those are the things that make life so meaningful. Those that are takers are the, are the unhappy, the most unhappy people in the whole world because they always wanted to take just a little more, just a little more, just a little more, just a little more. Jesus had a father who was a giver. And then our heavenly father, as an example, in John 5, 17, he said, my father works hitherto and I work. And then he said in John 5, 19, then answered Jesus and said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever things he does, these also does the son likewise. What a tribute to a father. You look at the life of Jesus, how many times he would just stop. What would, what would, Jesus, what would my father do right now? What would my father do? Being an only child, I'm sure I was very spoiled and I was very arrogant at times. I have privately gone to my father's grave and asked forgiveness for the times, some times when I wanted to argue. Thought I knew more. Thought I knew better. You know what? I can look back on my life right now and I can't think of one thing my dad told me where I differed and I was right and he was wrong. I'm still trying to find one. I'm going to go back to the grave and tell him, you know, dad, I was right on that one, but I can't find one. But I can find a whole bunch of them when he was right. When I kept my mouth shut because he told me to. When I moved forward because he told me to. Those moments are precious. When you have someone that you know is walking with God. And so, Dad, that's all God asks of you is just walk with him. He doesn't ask you to be a preacher. He doesn't ask you to get up and preach and take the Bible and shake it in somebody's face. He just says, live godly. Let your children know daddy's a man of his word. And I just thought of how many times my dad said, son, if you do that one more time, I'm going to spank you. And he was 100% every time I did it. I can never think of him being a God of a second chance when it comes to discipline. <laughs> but I could trust him. I'll be there. He'll be there. That's the kind of thing that we want to go home with today, man, that every one of us will just stop and say, you know what? In closing, our heavenly father taught us to love. John 15, nine says, as the father has loved me, so I love you continue in my love. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love is what goes back and repairs the past. Love is God. God is love. That's the first scripture most of us ever learned. All we have to do, guys, is go back and humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And in due time, God will exalt us. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to think for just a moment about the many times that Satan has deceived you. The many times when you said, well, everybody's doing it, so it must be right. 
Many times when you said, I'm not going to do it God's way, I'm going to do it my way. You might have walked away. You might have walked out. Could I just encourage you men today, man to man, could I just encourage you to trust God on this one? Could I just encourage you to go back and see the characters in the Bible that miserably failed? The Noahs, the Peters, the Moses, the Samson. Those that just, it just fell apart on them right in the middle of their career. But when they came back to God like David and confessed and repented, God said, David, you're a man after my own heart and I'm going to bless you. And you remember how God blessed David, gave him Solomon who honored him with the building of the temple. Guys, remember what Yogi said, it ain't over till it's over. As long as you have breath to breathe, you can repent, confess and repent. Today is our first day of the rest of our life. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, as we close this service with this song, I just want you to take a moment right where you'll be standing or sitting. Just make that your own little private prayer spot. And you say to God, whatever you want to say. If you want to say, God, get out of my life, I'll do it my way. If you want to say there is no God, that's your business. But if you need a second chance, if you believe that if you could just start over again, you'd do things a lot better. I'm telling you, Jesus is your answer. The Holy Spirit is the one that wants to take control and all power is given to him. Whatever obstacle you're facing, he'll give you power to knock it down. Whatever hill you're climbing, he'll give you the strength to climb it. Whatever has messed you up mentally, I want to remind you that God's ways are higher than man's ways and our wisdom is foolishness to him, but he will come with all truth and give it to us. Father, I pray you'll just speak especially to our dads today. There are not many days out of the year when a lot of dads get this chance. Life is busy. Times are tough. They work hard. A lot of things have been built up over the years that are hard to disassemble or to walk away from. But I pray, God, you'll pick out some men in this service today like you have in services gone by that'll start walking with you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.